The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Hello and welcome to the City Commission Chambers for the City of Kalamazoo for our Committee of the Whole meeting. This meeting starts at 5 o'clock and is a work meeting that we have in advance of our business meeting that starts at 7 this evening. So I'm calling this meeting of the City Committee of the Whole for the City Commission of Monday, August 1st, 2022. And our first order of business is roll call. Clerk Orling. Commissioner Decker. Present. Commissioner Hess. Present. Commissioner Hoffman. Present. Commissioner Juarez. Commissioner Pradle. Vice Mayor Cooney. Present. Mayor Anderson. Here. May I have a motion to excuse uh, Commissioner Pradle and Commissioner Juarez from the committee of the whole meeting? So moved. Move, a motion made by Commissioner Hess. Second. Supported by Commissioner Decker. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. Thank you. City Manager Ritzma, communications. Nothing, Your Honor. Thank you very much. Uh, now is an opportunity for public comments. Uh, these public comments will be limited to two minutes here at our Committee of the Whole meeting. If you have comments to make, please come to the podium. Uh, give us your name and whether you live in the city. And I want to remind people that uh, you can call in to make public comments as well. Uh, Deputy Manager Chamberlain, do you want to give us that number? Sure. It is 888-382-9556. Thank you so much, DCM Chamberlain. I would suggest you call in now. We will start with anyone who's in the chambers who'd like to make a comment. Uh, if there's anyone here who would like to take advantage of this opportunity, please come to the podium. Hey, my name is Benjamin Stanley. I live on the north side. Um, recently, I was made aware that I have a hit out on me. 
by my neighbor's boyfriend. Um, that is how the city of Kalamazoo feels about violence. Nothing will be done about it. Nothing whatsoever. I understand that. Windows were smashed out of my house. Police won't make a report. Tires were slashed in my car. I called the mayor on his personal number and or texted him and said, this is not acceptable, over and over. And finally, the cops got somebody told them to show up on the corner of North and Stewart. I'm assuming that was you. I don't know who else would have done it. Maybe my lawyer, but I don't think so. That's too much. That's too much. That's not acceptable. Fear-mongering is not what this city needs. Love and support is what this city needs. I have somebody who loves and supports me every day, right here, everywhere I go. And you guys have repeatedly tried to turn that into a weapon to hurt me, tried to arrest me right here in this building for bringing her in without a license, which is, in effect, a criminal offense on your part. But do you stand up and say, what we did was wrong. I'm sorry we won't do it again. You go, no, that's not what you do. You hide stuff. You avoid responsibility. You go, I don't know what you're talking about. And then you give me a ticket because I had a dandelion in my front yard for $127. When I could go buy dandelions from the co-op for 25 bucks a pound. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else who would like to take advantage of this opportunity in the chambers? Seeing no one, DCM Chamberlain, do we have anyone who has called in? Uh, we'll go ahead and check right now. It appears we do not have any calls, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate your work on that. Uh, Manager Ritzmo, what is on our work session agenda for this evening? Tonight we have a presentation on the commercial zoning review project by our city planner, Christina Anderson. And uh, Christina, you want to come forward? Just one moment while we load. Good evening. So what I have for you this evening is um, a zoning presentation. It focuses primarily on the work that we have started for the commercial zoning district update. It starts a little broader just to kind of put everybody um, on the same page for the zoning work that we've done the last couple years, why we've made the decisions that we've done in terms of updating the zoning code since we have several new uh, commissioners. So first of all, when we finished the master plan, we knew that we needed to update our zoning because the zoning should be a document that is used to implement what the, the community vision is as expressed in the master plan. So when the plan was approved in 2017, we got to work pretty quickly in 2018, um, but we first needed to figure out how we were gonna do the work. 
And so we chose to incrementally update our zoning code rather than do it all at once. And we chose to prioritize areas in the zoning code that we thought were having the biggest negative impact on neighborhoods, on ability to do housing infill uh, and commercial infill development. In 2005, which is the last time the zoning code was updated, uh, it, the zoning code was done and it was in Appendix A, which is part of the municipal code. Rather than tweak that document, we chose to take the sections in Appendix A, review them, make some edits, and then put them in a new zoning document, Chapter 50, also in the Code of Ordinances. What this process allowed us to do is start with a, a pretty clean slate, uh, since the document was going to be very different than it was back in 20, 2005, uh, but it does mean that during this process we have two documents, which is a bit of a challenge, but I think in the end will give us the result that we, um, that we want. Very quickly, I've now put this slide every time I talk about zoning because I think it's important to, to think about it this way. We hear about zoning as if it's a silver bullet, right, that's going to change everything. Um, zoning is important. But it's a policy, and it's a base policy, right? It is something that helps to shape uh, where a building goes on a lot, how tall it can be, how it relates to the street and the other buildings. It talks about permitted uses, and it talks about how to administer these rules. Um, and it needs to align with that master plan vision. But again, that's just the base. And I showed this graphic because there are so many other layers that need to be managed in order to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve, affordable housing, uh, you know, um, uh, commercial development, industrial project, right? Who owns the property? How do you obtain ownership? How do you pay for plans? How do you get contractors in this, and materials right now? So all these other layers kind of go on top of zoning. You want it to be right, but it's not going to be a light switch. It's not going to automatically change uh, to achieve that goal in and of itself. So here's what we've been doing since the master plan. We've done seven code updates. Um, we started with what we call residential core repair work. And these were changes that we made to the residential districts in Appendix A, knowing that it was going to be a little while before we did the wholesale update of the residential zoning districts. And this is primarily based on uh, conversations we had in the north side when we were doing the north side neighborhood plan. And we found um, a lot of uh, very specific issues. Uh, zoning that didn't match, so a lot of commercial and manufacturing zoning on residential lots. And then where we did have residential zoning, the standards didn't match the lots of our kind of older historic neighborhoods uh, in terms of minimum lot size and minimum lot area. So we did some quick changes to make sure that lots weren't non-conforming um, to allow, immediately allow infill to happen, home repair expansion projects to happen without the zoning code being the barrier. We then created three new districts. Again, this was following um, our first neighborhood plan, specifically the Northside plan. Um, those are all mixed use districts. Um, and we mapped those on the north side. Later, we mapped them on the east side and around downtown. And just before COVID hit, we were starting to uh, look at mapping them in Edison and Vine. We updated the parking standards because we needed to make sure that with our new districts that we were having, that we had parking standards that actually worked with those lots and lot requirements and unit sizes. Uh, we did two natural features protection 
zoning overlay edits. Um, we created three downtown districts, replacing the one old downtown district that existed. And then most recently, uh, we had some text edits to the zoning code that were based on staff uh, and the Zoning Board of Appeals and uh, our local community using the zoning code um, and some tweaks that we needed to make to make its application better. What I don't have in here now that I realize is that there's an eighth change that we made and that was to add um, adult use and medical marijuana to the zoning code. So what I'm gonna specifically talk about tonight is the commercial zoning code update that will be coming to this fall. So there are four pieces to this. Um, an update of the sign code, uh, an update of the landscaping, screening, and fencing requirements, new and updated commercial districts, uh, an updated zoning map, which is really the biggest piece of all of this, and then just a preview, you know, once we're done with that, we'll be turning to the residential districts. And we expect to do that next year, early next year. So I just wanna quickly talk about the pieces. Again, this is all going to eventually come to you. Um, we'll be going to the the community first, uh, then to the plan commission who will make their recommendation to this body and then ultimately to you for approval. So all these pieces are related to commercial districts. So the first one is the sign code. Um, the sign code we actually wrote last year um, and but decided to hold on to it until we did this update so it would be um, accurate with all the new, with all the new districts. Um, it's available online and has been. There's a presentation with audio. Um, we sent it out to the sign companies in town to get their feedback. We sent it to developers to get their feedback, made some tweaks, um, and pretty much have this part ready to go to the community uh, when we start the public outreach process. And a draft of that is available on imaginekelmsu.com. The changes in the sign code um, both simplify the document, um, pick up where we have a lot of variance requests uh, right now based on signs. And there's been some Supreme Court cases that impact sign regulations. Um, and so we've made sure that our document is, our regulations are up to date with those um, Supreme Court cases. Landscaping, screening, and fencing, pretty uh, integrally tied with commercial development, especially when there are parking lots or landscaping required around buildings. Um, staff has started to update this document. Um, it is not yet done. We're also working with the Natural Features Protection Board as it relates to rethinking the, the permitted tree list or recommended tree list uh, for, um, for landscaping that's done along parking lots, around buildings, um, and so forth to make sure that those documents are, are talking to each other. This also includes fence regulations, which of course goes with both residential and commercial. So here's kind of the meat, right? This is a list of the commercial districts we currently have in the zoning code. Uh, commercial office, commercial neighborhood office, of which the second of those is not mapped anywhere, just exists in the zoning document. We have commercial neighborhood one and two, of which two is not mapped uh, currently, just exists in the zoning code. We have CC, community commercial, which is mapped throughout the city on big lots and small lots. Um, we have two mixed-use districts that I kind of think of as twins. One veers a little more commercial, one veers slightly more residential, but that's commercial mixed-use and residential mixed-use. And then we have the districts that we created recently, Neighborhood Node, Liverpool 1, Liverpool 2, and we have the BTR Park, 
zoning, which is a very specific classification for Western Michigan University's Business Technology and Research Park uh, that's at Drake and Parkview. In addition to those rules, we also have a series of overlays uh, that impact uh, commercial development. Two of these are not currently mapped, but could be um, if we had chosen to. The first one is neighborhood conservation overlay, and the second one is historic preservation overlay. Neither of those are mapped, uh, but they exist to be created in the zoning code. We have the riverfront overlay districts. This is a series of nine sub-districts that go on top of the base zoning that dictate more specific use requirements and specific design criteria. It is a set of overlay districts that have been very difficult to regulate. We have found that we have a lot of business owners bump up against them uh, because the use parameters in them are very, very narrow for the most part. Um, and this primarily exists uh, where the north side neighborhood and the east side neighborhood meet um, adjacent to the river, north and south, east and west of that area. And then the final set of standards is not zoning, but it's design guidelines, and, but it, and it is, does serve as another layer whenever you are doing a project in these areas, is the downtown and southtown design guidelines. Um, and so all of these things are gonna be under review as we, as we move forward. And here's how it's starting to shake out. In doing research with a, a, a consultant team that helped us compile lot sizes, intensity of development, locations of those developments throughout the city, um, we have uh, created a new zoning district and are going to be, or two new zoning districts, and are going to be removing several other districts from the code moving forward. So CO, CNO, those office districts, which are really have a narrow set of uses allowed, mostly office related, uh, will no longer be in the code. The two neighborhood districts, CN1 and CN2, are proposed also to no longer be permitted. Those are two districts that allow um, a, a small number of commercial uses, but they're only allowed up to a certain amount of square feet. I believe it's 2,500 square feet, which we have found is kind of an artificial number, and we have businesses that would be appropriate, can go into buildings, in those areas but can't meet that requirement um, among a couple of other issues. And then CMO and R CMU and RMU um, because we have new mixed use districts uh, that we created um, that we think are more applicable. So what does that leave us with? We keep our CC district, our community commercial district, that is that district that is meant to support regional commercial shopping um, and then we create a smaller district, we'll call it CC2 for now, uh, which um, would allow for a general list of uses, but not of the scale and size that you find out by the highway that is appropriate for the community commercial district. And then in the other places where we remove the commercial neighborhood zoning or the commercial office zoning based on um, market area, whether the area is auto-oriented or pedestrian-oriented, the building size, lot size in that area, um, the street type that it's located on, is it located to serve residential, um, will help determine uh, what di specific district um, the CNO, CN1, everything that we're removing um, gets put into. And the BTR district is not changing, it'll just be brought over from Appendix A into the zoning code, uh, Chapter 50.
This is how um, to kind of differentiate these three districts, the, the three commercial districts. This is the definitions that we're starting to work with. Um, so I'm going to start kind of in opposite order, which with the biggest, CC, community commercial, most intense, probably is the better way of saying this. CC supports medium to large commercial development with citywide and regional uh, market fo focus. This is essentially what it was created to do back in 2005, based on the definition. Um, it's typically found on major streets, um, but somewhere along the line we used it throughout the city um, where it's best served on larger lots with faster roads. CC2, that slightly smaller district that would replace some of our neighborhood uh, uh, office or commercial districts, um, meant to support small to medium commercial and mixed use development. Uh, on smaller streets, typically streets that have residential blocks that tie into them. So it's at the end of a residential block uh, versus, um, you know, large, uh, large lots that don't tie to residences. And I have a picture, I'll show it to you in just a second. And then the third district is commercial node. Now, if you recall from the 2025 master plan, future land use plan, we had neighborhood nodes and commercial nodes mapped. We created the neighborhood node district right away because we were doing zoning work in neighborhoods that had a neighborhood node based on the future land use plan. Now it's time to do the commercial nodes and so we're creating a district that's appropriate for that. So here's an example for you. So we have two commercial corridors here. Um, the one on, I think it's your right, Stadium Drive uh, versus uh, West Nedge. And so here's where we start to differentiate between CC and CC2. So on Stadium Drive, it's mostly large lots. There are some smaller lots there as well, but mostly large. They're not linked to the residential, even though there's residential that abuts them on one side. It's completely accessed from the neighborhood. They're completely separate. It's not walkable, um, and it's pretty intense development on a street that, uh, with a pretty high speed. Compared to the West Nedge Corridor, uh, just south of um, uh, White's Cork intersection, right? The pink that you see there is at the end of residential blocks. So it um, serves those residents. They can walk there, they could bike there, they could drive there, um, but it's close by. It tends to be smaller in scale um, and the, the buildings themselves are smaller. And so we went through, oh, there's the streets. We went through and did this analysis along major commercial corridors throughout the city to understand what that looked like in terms of lot sizes and if there were common groupings um, so we could create our dimensional standards to fit this. Um, and so um, without going into too much detail, um, we did it on West Nedge, uh, we did it on Portage Street to figure out the groupings and here's an example of the neighborhood node and the commercial node and how we'd be matching them up in reality to the future land use plan. And so we've started to create the dimensional standards because remember with every zoning district you have the permitted uses and you have the standards that dictate how the buildings can be developed. Um, and so we're in the process of working those up for our two new districts, commercial node and CC2. And our timeline for this work is we should have an updated zoning map out to the public for their review end of this month, very beginning of September. Um, just like we did for the natural features protection, we're going to have that map online. It's going to be interactive. So you can click on it, understand you know, the address, 
what it's zoned today, what it's being zoned to, uh, and some additional information behind that change. Um, and so that will be up um, again end of August, beginning of September. Uh, we'll do public presentations, uh, answer questions, uh, send notice to properties that are being rezoned uh, with an expected review and approval in that formal sense at the end of the year. Does anybody have any questions for me? I know it was kind of a lot of information. Um, questions at this time, commissioners? Commissioner Hess, um, I'm sorry. A while back, Christina, you, are we gonna go through the, oh, that was it, okay. Um, a while back, you, you noted downtown and Southtown. Will you please differentiate between what you mean by Southtown and what neighbors say is a Southtown neighborhood? Can you talk to us about that, please? Um, I can talk a little bit about it. So um, both of these um, design guideline areas were created prior to uh, me taking uh, the role of city planner. Um, downtown design guidelines were created first, um, and then they found uh, the need to create a set of design guidelines kind of in a half moon around the south and east part of downtown as that area started to redevelop. Um, they are design guideline boundaries. Um, they share, the two documents share a set of standards. Um, and neither are really going to be necessary once this zoning is done because the districts that are gonna be located there are our form-based districts so we had, when we, did our, when we did our downtown districts, we created, when we updated the downtown zoning, we created three new districts. And they were districts that were kind of a marriage between the typical use requirements in a zoning code with some additional form requirements. And it made the downtown design guideline standards essentially unnecessary, and so we've been we need to remove those from that area. When we did the downtown design, uh, the, the downtown zoning, uh, the ring around downtown, almost in the same area that the south town design guidelines are, um, we've started to map our live work one and live work two districts, which also include some of those form standards, which render the design guidelines kind of obsolete, right? Because the code requires things design guidelines, recommend things, and then you go to a board who can kind of, you negotiate with to kind of get the final product. And so that's the difference between code and design guidelines. Now to answer your question uh, as to uh, whether or not the original Southtown uh, design guideline boundaries match with um, the boundaries that we've heard uh, from um, some callers, I would have to go back and look at the two maps to understand the, the areas. Um, I don't believe that the Southtown design guidelines are all that large an area, but I would need the map in front of me to answer that. Commissioner Decker. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I just want to say, you know, when you said that these zoning codes hadn't been updated since 2005, that's a long time. Um, and that's a long time for a community and a city to change and to grow and to have different objectives. So thank you guys for starting to do what you're doing at this time. I think it is gonna be beneficial, especially when you talk about the neighborhoods and the commercial zonings and, you know, if this is some of the reasons and some of the issues that have been holding back businesses from coming to the area, hopefully this will, you know, kind of get those out of the way and we can start getting more businesses into the 
into the businesses and empty spaces that we have. So thank you to you and your team. Thanks. Thank you, Commissioner Decker. Other questions from commissioners at this point? Seeing at this time, I, I have a few. Okay. So I'm gonna ask a big question first. Why do we even have zoning? Why do we pay so much attention to that? Why zone at all? So I'm, Clyde might, uh, in terms of the legality, I'll let Clyde uh, clarify if I say this wrong, but we do have a master plan. And if you have a master plan in Michigan, you need to have a zoning code. Did I say that right? Maybe I said it the opposite way. But so, okay, so so let's they're, say they're Houston is a place right. is famous for not zoning. Right, right. So um, in the past, zoning was really meant to segregate, right? Segregate uses. In many cases, segregate people uh, was the intent of um, of zoning and a lot of housing policy, um, and that stems from a Supreme Court case in the twenties in Euclid, Ohio, that allowed this type of regulation, and it morphed. Um, some for, in good ways, some not good ways, um, and was used um, in ways that uh, hurt cities and hurt residents of cities. Over time, zoning has uh, started to, especially in the last five to 10 years, to adjust to think about how we can support a livable community. How can we support walkability? How can we support um, uh, giving the opportunity for um, neighborhoods to be fully functional, meaning you can meet your daily needs and live in those neighborhoods um, wherever you choose. And so zoning can help do that. If you don't think about um, where things are allowed and how to kind of commingle things, I think you automatically go to the, you know, this is over here, this is over here. And unless you happen to, ha occasionally it happens organically that they're together, but not, it, you're running a risk. So today we view zoning as supporting those characteristics that we're looking for in our community. So we want to make sure that there is housing that meets our entire community's need, every price point, every size. And so we can help support that by making sure that our zoning regulations relate to housing are um, allow those types all over the community without a lot of steps and hiccups along the way. Uh, we can make sure that we are supporting the principles of, um, it's often called a 15 minute community, sometimes a 20 minute community, where you in theory could live, work, play within a walking distance of your home, whatever home size you choose uh, or um, is available. Um, and you know to think consciously about where you can allow a mix of uses um, and so I think that zoning plays that role today as opposed to we would like zoning to play that role today as opposed to you know this use over here and this use over here um, it certainly is a different philosophy uh, with how it's being used I appreciate that and I don't know if you want to say anything more about it but I think in some ways you've answered my next question was how do we do the best job we can of incorporating best practice thinking into our zoning and inclusive thinking into our zoning uh, versus zoning that did create either unintended or intended consequences. So, so how does that, how do we keep ourselves fresh and thoughtful around that, I guess, as any given, you know, 
modest sized community in the country that has the opportunity to manage your own zoning mm -hmm. does? I mean, I think one, you have a community vision, right? So we have Imagine Kalamazoo, which created the strategic vision, our master plan and future land use plan, which really set the tone for um, making sure that we have housing for all of our residents. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, increase, you know, that um, those inviting public places and livability. And in the past, we haven't viewed transportation and land use as two pieces of the same puzzle, but or the same pie, they are, right? You're not gonna have a super inviting, I'm comfortable walking, I'm comfortable my kids walking to school or up to the corner store if you don't have the streets right and the land use right. So incorporating that into your vision and into the plan is important. So if the zoning code is intended to um, allow the vision, um, I really think that that's the number one priority, right? And so we, we did that and we had a community process around Imagine Kalamazoo. Since then, for every zoning change, you know, we go back out. This is what we heard. You know, here's, here's what um, neighborhood plans say. Here's how the different districts, you know, the research that we did to kind of figure out lot sizes and those kind of things. Here's how it's shaking out. Let's talk about it. What does it mean for you? Um, and so we'll continue that uh, with each of these incremental changes. I appreciate that. Hey, uh, one of the things I, I just wanted to, I guess, uh, accentuate just a little bit here. You got your one page where you talked about rationale. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you want to expand on that just a little bit because I think that's really important. Like, why are we, what's our, I, I know you're talking about the vision and, and how you manifest that in a zoning code, but some specifics you mentioned here also I think are important on that rationale side. Sure. So um, this specifically was talking about, you know, the districts that we have grayed out in the, um, the far column that we um, right now are expecting to go away. There's not always a one-to-one. -one. You know, CN1 is automatically going to become Liberc 1 because of in the districts have been mapped all over the place, so it's not necessarily perfectly one-to-one. -one. So how do we think about that? And these rationale um, are meant to kind of embody the things that we'll be thinking about as we start to do a draft map for the community to discuss and react to. And so it's things like the street type, right? High speed streets probably aren't necessarily, if it's that, that is the street and it, that is what the street is supposed to be, that's probably not going to be where we wanna have walkable, uh, commercial, small scale built up to the street, right? You know, that you're gonna have to account for parking lots and think about um, you know, stormwater and those kind of things, and so it's a different type of development. It kind of goes to the scale. Um, again, is it serving residential? I really like that Stadium Drive example versus the West Edge because it's kind of the most stark example um, on, you know, how those are served. And again, thinking about that concept of, you know, 15-minute neighborhood, you know, what can I get to very easily um, uh, and how those uh, relate to each other. And then, you know, with scale, you know, you want any development that go that comes in, you want to make sure you're setting it up for success as much as the zoning code can do that. So, you know, if you have areas, if you want to have regional commercial, citywide adjacent neighborhood commercial, you want to make sure that you're putting that closer to the highway, closer to the major streets. Um, and so that's why street type has, you know, plays a role um, that's going to attract 
the, the broader, larger commercial development, as opposed to a small lot that you, know, you travel through town to get to. Um, so it's just different types in different places and trying to be thoughtful about what that looks like. I, I appreciate that. Uh, one other very specific question that, you know, sometimes confusing to people that are is in zoning codes, and I don't know how much it comes up on the commercial side, is that permitted use versus special use and how that gets determined and what's the best practice about how, when you're writing a zoning code, how much of that you want incorporated or how you approach those kind of issues? Absolutely, and I think this is something else that's changed with zoning. So again, when zoning was, you must go here, you know, you go there, we're separating every, all the uses. Um, zoning departments also like to say, you're gonna have to come to me, I'm gonna interpret this complicated document for you, and I'm gonna, you know, you have to permission for a variety of uses that may or may not uh, have an impact. Uh, negative impact perceived or real. Again, I think zoning has changed. Uh, the perception of zoning has changed. We want zoning again to set the table for the things that the vision says we should allow um, and not create extra barriers and hiccups. Mm -hmm. So uh, really being very thoughtful on what requires an extra step to the plan commission, which a special use does. And so the way we have the code set up now, the, the work that we've been doing over the last couple years, is we have permitted uses, and then we have uses that are permitted um, with some development standards. And those don't require an extra step, but you need to incorporate that into your design. Um, and you know we do that to make sure um, that we can handle some of those potentially negative externalities, but not to the point that we need a special use. And so the uses that fall into the special use, it's a smaller list than what was um, what we had previously. Thank you very much. So one thing I would just uh, like to recognize here is I appreciate that we're taking time to, to go back and, and talk about this because these kinds of uh, processes can actually occur over several commission terms. And so sometimes just being plopped into the middle of it or having something come on your agenda on a given evening, which is actually, you know, part whatever, seven of a, you know, 16-step process that started years ago, it's, it's hard to always be aware of that context. So I just want to thank uh, you, Manager Ritzma and Christina, for just talking about that. And I, and I think it's just something we're going to have to continue to do is provide some of that context. Here's the whole long journey that we're on together, uh, who some of you were here at the beginning and some of you weren't, and some of you will be here at the end and some of you won't. And uh, this, you know, this is the reason for that vision. It isn't just coming out of nowhere. It's, it's really part of a long-built process. So I appreciate that very, very much. Manager Risma. Well, that concludes the uh, work session component of this evening. So I'll turn it back over to you. All right, I appreciate that. Uh, let me see. I know that uh, we have, we did get another document. Are we going to be talking yeah, about that? Yeah, that'll be at the regular meeting. At the regular meeting. Okay, great. A resolution in the, on the regular agenda. Okay, super. All right, thanks so much.
Now is the opportunity for commissioner comments for the committee of the whole meeting. Are there any commissioner comments? All right, seeing none, just a reminder, our business meeting starts at seven o'clock. There'll be another opportunity for public comments at our business meeting at seven, which you can call in for or also make here in person. Look forward to seeing you at seven o'clock. We're adjourned.